Did you watch any basketball games this weekend? I did. Should we re- record a podcast about those things? Let's do it. Welcome. I'm Zach Snyder, joined by Matt Snyder. This is the D3 Datacast, and we're just trying to be part of something great with our friends. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing great, Zach. Glad to be here with you. How are you this week? I'm doing well. Speaking of this week, let's talk about last week. Matt, who won the week in your mind? I'm going to go with Shohei Otani. I don't know if you heard this, Zach, but he signed a 10-year, $700 million deal with the LA Dodgers. And that's going to keep him in Los Angeles in the Southern California area for a while. Um, I think we should make it our goal to make him a Division Three basketball fan, a hashtag D3Hoops supporter. He's going to be in Southern California. Maybe he's going to go incognito to some Skyak games, go out to Claremont to Pomona Pitzer game, Claremont Mud Scripts, maybe to Redlands. Um, I, th- I think we should make this our show goal to make Shohei Otani D3 Hoops fan. If he wants to be a Patreon supporter with some of that money of, of our show, we can make a new tier. Like we can kick up a high tier and, and, and make Shohei Otani a, a Patreon supporter. So I think he won the week. If he gives us a little bit of that cash, then also we won the week. Uh, but no, seriously, if we want to go into Division Three basketball, I think the team in D3 basketball that won the week for me is probably Co. I'm going to go with Co. They were the first team in the American Rivers Conference to start out uh, 4-0 this year. There's kind of a triumvirate of teams there that were undefeated. Co, Dubuque, Central. For me, they were all kind of just outside the top 25. I know a team or two of those were maybe getting some top 25 votes as well. Uh, but Co got the big head-to-head win at Central on the road against one of those other teams. Um, this was a tight game all the way. It was an overtime game, and it was Co that pulled it out in overtime. They had about one second left a uh, under-the-basket inbound play. They lofted up to the big man, TJ Schnur, uh, who was able to kind of jump, catch, and put the ball back all in one motion. It rattles around kind of front iron, back iron, and in. Actually, back iron, then front iron, then in. They got the big win. Coe's 4-0. That's a great conference, great league, um, and it's a great week for them. Uh, what about you, Zach? Who won your week? Uh, well, I like the Otani pick. Maybe he can help fund some flights into or out of Region yeah. 10, you know, to give us an even better bracket than we we typically have been getting over the last couple of years. But I'm going to go with with Tufts, Matt. They got the the big road win at Keene State on Saturday. They're now 10 and 0, and maybe kind of quietly have stacked up some some quality wins um, in a year where it seems like you know a, a team might get a couple wins but take a step back or have a not so impressive. Uh, uh, game like they, they haven't really stumbled in that way so uh, you know the win at Keene was impressive but just kind of what they've done so far uh, they are um, definitely on the map as a uh, national contender I think at this point yeah I think Tufts is rising they look great they're putting together quite the resume as you said I agree that, that that's a great pick Zach I think Tufts Tufts great great argument to win the week all right so that you know, a couple teams there, but let's go go through some games, Matt, that caught our eye over the week. Wednesday, uh, there was the big Whitewater trip to Holland, Michigan, where they have an epic last-minute comeback to beat Hope 79-76. Matt, it was a six-point lead for Hope with 34.2 seconds to go, but Whitewater scored the final nine points of the game to get the win. And not surprisingly, I think, probably, uh, to help make that happen, Miles Barnstable in particular was terrific. He played all 40 minutes in the game, scored 35 points, was a perfect 11 for 11 from the free throw line, had a big um, and one in that final minute, hit another just like, uh, yeah. you know, 
ice water in his veins three uh he was making plays as uh you know he's already shown himself to be well more than capable of in his young career so far yeah a great player making great plays and it was just one of those endings for hope i think where kind of everything that could go wrong did and then for whitewater everything that needed to go right did go right just you don't see those kind of endings um a great win for whitewater i think they're a team we looked a little bit, I think it was last week's show, that they might be having some strength of schedule issues, even though they play in the WIAC, a strong conference. So I think they needed the win even more than hope. But it would have been a really big win for either team, for either of those leagues, to pick up a win against another team that looks like they could be regionally ranked. But this time it was Whitewater, and that was that was a great finish for them. So, so props to the Warhawks there. Uh, so going on to Saturday, one game I was watching, one game I was at was Calvin, who we've seen uh, now ranked number two in the country, picking up some first place votes. Uh, they hosted Wheaton, Wheaton, Illinois, um, and it was a really tight first half. I was surprised to see how competitive Wheaton was in the first half with Calvin, and I don't think it was a fir- I don't think it was close because Calvin was playing poorly. I think it was a little bit more because Wheaton was playing well. There were some maybe turnover issues for Calvin and maybe some offensive rebounds that they were giving up. But Wheaton played a pretty good first half and found themselves only down four at the break. But the second half started out with a bang for Calvin. I think it was like twenty four to four run or something like that. And they really just put Wheaton away right in the first. I don't know what it was five six seven minutes or so of the, of that second half and and really cleaned up those ter- turnover issues. Um, Really, really hit the glass uh, harder. And overall, it was, of course, another great game for Jalen Overway, double-double. I think Uchenna Egekeza had uh, double-figure points as well. But the rest of the team, it was just they took the op- opportunities as they came, uh, hitting an open three or, or getting maybe a mismatch in the post with someone who's not Overway, like Luca Ressler or Owen Varnado. So I think it was a really team game offensively for Calvin. Uh, defensively, they, defensively, they were incredible as were we're used to, but um, yeah, Calvin Calvin Knight's been climbing up the top twenty-five, and they looked strong again against a CCIW opponent on Saturday. I think that second half probably I would rank as the second best half they've played this year, behind the first half against Marietta. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely some of the best ball I, I think that they've played so far in this young season. Um, Matt, another game Saturday that we we kind of already mentioned. Tufts got a sixty-five sixty-three win at Keene State. It was a real close game back and forth. Uh, and then Bernstein gets the low post bucket with one second remaining. And uh, watching that final possession, I wasn't sure that they were going to get a shot off. Yeah. Um, it, it just, just the way it was developing, it just seemed like it was taking too long. Uh, but the shot did go up and it went down with one second left. Um, you know, and we, we said it was a back and forth game. Like if you look, look at the box score, it looked very even in most regards, uh, except the Owls were doomed by one of 15 shooting from three. Uh, and that really kind of did them in despite being plus 10 on the boards. Yeah, this was a game as I was watching it, especially down the stretch for the finish. Uh, I was thinking as a top 25 voter and just as a D3 fan, I was going to more kind of like think highly of the team who won rather than punish or think lowly of the team who lost. This was two great teams, two even teams. By the end, you thought, yeah, these these are two of the best team, 10 teams in the country. I think I tweeted out, I see them both like maybe Elite Eight or Final Four type teams. Um, but yeah, c- props to Tufts for getting the great road win. This is going to look 
tremendous on their resume. You said earlier about how many top teams they've already beaten. Um, they're putting together a, a, quite the list of potentially regionally ranked opponent wins, which are big for the resume. I was doing some way early bracketology. We're sitting here recording on games through December 10, so we're very early for all this stuff. But Tufts is putting together the resume combined with what they have a chance to do in NESCAC play to be maybe the number one overall seed in the tournament. So we still got to get through the rest of December, January, February, where we, we barely started the season, like a quarter of the way through, maybe a little, maybe a little more than that. But Tufts, they're laying a great road for themselves and they look strong. Um, Keene State looks strong too, but again, this is the type of win for Tufts that's going to put their resume apart from others, I think, at the end of the season, if they can continue to play like this. Yeah, and I, I left that game on and uh, heard the post-game interview, Matt, uh, from the Keene broadcast there with David Hastings. And um, I don't know if just his tone, I don't know if it was just kind of the exhaustion of a big game or just the disappointment, but you could you could hear it in his voice, uh, you know, how much it would have meant for them to win that game yeah. and uh, the, the, the disappointment to, to lose it at the end there. So, um, but, but, you know, Keene State has a lot uh, to keep playing for. And, uh, you know, yep. this kind of oh, yeah. game, I think, will be, will be good for them down uh, down the line. Um, you know, Matt, Saturday afternoon, there was another game that I wanted to bring up um, that I had my eye on, uh, mostly in the second half there, and that was uh, Wittenberg defended home court against Wabash. They got a 75-62 win. Uh, they led by as many as 19 in the second half before the Little Giants uh, basically went through a stretch where they didn't miss. They cut it to eight or nine. But Matt, one of the players we really enjoyed seeing at the Great Lakes Invitational, Trey Killens, was huge for Wittenberg in keeping Wabash from being able to cut it down, you know, even closer than that eight or nine points. Um, but I, I think this was an interesting game because this is the kind of result, you know, with Wabash losing this game. Um, and we, we've talked a little bit already about the developing uh, at large, you know, pool C picture. And this is the kind of game that just kind of suggests that the NCAC doesn't look to have a player in that pool C picture. Um, it just there's there's, you know, some strength of schedule issues throughout the league, like the league as a whole is not winning enough games in non-conference play. And it just seems like. Uh, it's going to be a real grinder, you know, through conference play. Teams are going to be taking losses. Like you think of Wabash as maybe like the one team who could go on like a big run and and put up like a bunch of wins and just not being able to. Uh, um, I don't want to say they weren't competitive in this one, but to lose like this just kind of shows that I don't think the NCA NCAC is going to have that at large contender as we get into regional ranking and um you know, at large, uh, you know, bubble picture type uh, scenarios. Yeah, in some ways, they're playing the role that the MIAA played in Region 7 last year in that same region, where just as a conference, as a league, they're not getting enough non-conference wins that they're going to have the strength of schedules to, to really put teams on the table for, for Pool C consideration. And maybe Wabash was one of the teams kind of coming into the year, coming in through November that maybe could have made a run like that. And you're right, to, to lose a game like this to Wittenberg, you know, they're, they're going to find it trouble. Again, we're really early to talk about any of this stuff, but they're going to maybe find it a little bit of trouble to put together a resume that can get ranked in that region. Um, the whole league, the NCAC, might have trouble getting a team into that mix. If you don't have teams in there, you can't get regionally ranked. Wins as much in conference, and it's just tough to build that resume. So, yeah, I think one bid league for the NCAC, that's how it looks. Um, a great win for Wittenberg here, but, yeah, I think that's going to be the story for this for this conference down the stretch. Um, hey, a game that I think had had 
people tur- turning their heads on Saturday as well was Widener going on the road to Swarthmore and winning that game by 20 points, 77-57. Um, Widener had been moving up people's ballots, mine included. I think I started voting for them last week. Um, Swarthmore, I think, was the ranked team in this matchup. They were maybe 15 or so last week, but but Widener looks great. They look like... Um, you know, they they looked like they should have switched places for with Swarthmore in the top 25, um, maybe even in, in the top half of a top 25 right now. But in that game, Widener forced 20 turnovers. They shot over 40% from the three-point line. The computers are loving Widener. Um, I think they're, I think we're going to see them continue to climb those ballots. They look really good. Um, I didn't vote for them in the top 25. I didn't pick them to win the conference in our little um, conference championship fantasy draft. And I think someone on the air called me out that I should have considered Widener. And that, that they look awesome. They look really, really good. Their numbers are looking really, really good. The computers love them. So watch out for Widener. They're going to make waves this season for sure. Yeah, an upset from the top 25 picture um, overall, you know, Matt. But going back to your ballot last week, I think you already had Widener ahead of Swarthmore. Yep. yep. And, um, you know, even with, like, the computer lines that we have posted on d3datacast.com, uh, th- this this was really one of those upsets that probably wasn't an upset because yeah. Widener was actually a six-point favorite on the computer line there. Um, so I feel like this is a situation. I know there was a, a cadre of voters who were already very high on Widener, but I think that the overall poll um, is lagging a week from where they should have been. And uh, those of you who are already on the Widener bandwagon were a week ahead of of the uh, the masses, as it were. Yeah, I certainly wasn't the only one, and I suspect – Come Monday, right? Monday night, we're going to see Widener in the rankings. I'm, I'm almost certain of that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, one of the final games we were just keeping a close eye on on Saturday night that we wanted to comment on here was Hope hosting another WIAC opponent, UW Platteville. Um, Hope really looking for one of these potential regionally ranked wins here. Um, and UW Platteville came out victorious 61 57. Um, like you said, with the Whitewater game, it was just a last. Uh, you know, a couple of minutes were tough for Hope. It was the same thing again and on Saturday. Hope had a four-point lead with five minutes and 23 seconds to play in the game. I think Hope would only score two more points the rest of the way, zero field goals, and it was a 10-2 to run that Platteville finished on, including, um, you know, a couple late turnovers for Hope when they had a chance to maybe tie the game up late or, or whatnot. So that was a, uh, another tough finish for the Dutchman, a really good win for Platteville. Platteville looks like a team that can make a run in the WIAC. I think between Whitewater and Platteville, for me, they're the two top teams right now. Oshkosh maybe not far behind, but those three teams, I think, um, are going to give us a, a really good WIAC race this year. So uh, a big game for Platteville. I'm going to see them later on this year when they play Calvin uh, at Trine, but that, that that's a team that I'm definitely watching for sure is UW-Platteville. Yeah, so that's another week of action down, Matt. That means it's time for you to submit another top 25 ballot. And let's talk about it. Let's take a look. This week, yeah. Yeah, here's my top 25. I think overall, um, there wasn't a ton of change necessarily for me. Maybe you can can comment on that further with some things that you want to talk about more. Uh, Big mover up, I think, for me was Tufts coming into number four. I think they looked great at Keene State. I really didn't drop Keene State too much at all, if even any. Maybe they were nine for me last week, and Tufts kind of moving in knocked them down. Um, Widener moves up a few more spots into the top 12. Um, other than that, I think there's some stability mostly at the at the top half. Maybe the last um, four or five picks, there's some some new teams in and new teams out. UW-Platteville, I mentioned, in at 20. I think maybe this is the first time I'm ranking UW-Platteville. 
uh, been impressed with their start so far. Uh, so yeah, this is this is my my top twenty five here. Yeah, and you gave me the early preview a bit ago, and uh, just in your quick summary there, you hit on some of the points that I noticed. Um, Tufts being the big mover up this week, I think it was maybe five or six spots. I think that was the biggest move up for anyone. But Matt, there's one team on here I wanted to talk about. Um, you have Trinity, Connecticut, ranked eight, which is actually down a spot for you. And I'm wondering what – I feel like this is just a team we need to talk about because from a strength of schedule perspective, like they they have a win over uh, – a neutral court win over St. Joseph. That was a 12-point win, so a good win, right? But other than that, they really haven't played anyone. But at the same time, you know, I saw in our computer line they were a 31-point favorite. Uh, earlier in the week, and I, I think they they easily won uh, that, right? I, I think it was like a fifty point game. They, so they're winning um, games just by like astronomical margins. The uh, computer loves them, I believe. Uh, currently ranked number one in the efficiency ratings on d3datacast.com, but uh, you actually dropped them a spot, and you've been even you got them here at eight. So I'm just wondering how you're thinking about Trinity. Um, and and like I mentioned, they're number one in the the computer uh, efficiency ratings right now, and it's actually by a pretty good margin. So how are you thinking yeah. about Trinity? This, that's a great question, uh, and it, I think about it a lot. But I think you're right. It's, for me, it's mostly the schedule. The computer likes them. They're number one in the efficiency ratings. I think they've been like in the in the top ten for sure. Maybe like five or six in the Massey ratings as well. The computers really like what Trinity's doing. Uh, for me. It is a little bit of a question of a schedule. I would like them to play some more good teams and beat those good teams before I just vote them on crushing maybe um, more average to poorer teams, more middling teams. So I think another team that's maybe done that a little bit is Oswego State, but I had some higher expectations of Oswego State coming into the season. What we saw, what they did with a lot with a lot of these same players last year, winning at Randolph, making in the tournament. I'm not trying to vote too much based on last year, but I'm okay you know, keeping Oswego State at my preseason expectation. For Trinity, I just, there's a lot of other good teams in that range. And them moving down a spot this week was was purely Tufts moving in and kind of those other teams maybe moving back a little bit. So it wasn't really moving Trinity or my thoughts of Trinity at all. But for them maybe to move up past an Emory or a Hampton Sydney or a John Carroll, one of those teams is going to have to really screw up, um, which maybe we need to talk about John Carroll a little bit. Or... Um, or they're going to have to beat someone good, right? So I did consider moving John Carroll further down. I think they fell a couple spots in my ballot um, after John Carroll wins by three at Muskingum. Um, but for now, I'm holding them and I'm holding Trinity. I would like to see maybe some of these teams and what they're going to do against a higher competition, though. Yeah, and you mentioned the relative stability. I mean, it seemed in particular like the top 20-ish was mostly just some minor shuffling. Uh so we've talked about the difficulty in, in evaluating all these teams and coming up with a ballot. Was this one a little bit easier just because I feel like maybe maybe it's a result of kind of heading into semester time. We're not seeing like those heavyweight matchups so much. So you're not getting big swings. You're getting teams mostly kind of just taking care of business. And, you know, this is for like for the first time a little bit week to week. You can kind of hang out. Yeah, and, and the you know one of the big games we saw, we talked about Tufts and Keene State, and that was a really close game. So you're not really going to shuffle the teams too much based on that game. Wasn't wasn't too many unexpected. A team wins by 10 or 20 that we didn't necessarily see coming for me. Uh, so yeah, I think at the end, it was a little bit easier. I think going into the season, we had our expectations. And then the first couple of weeks leading into that first that second poll, 
we saw a lot of turnover as, as far as like, okay, Christopher Newport is maybe not this top team that we thought they were. Uh, some others, I for me in the last couple, these last maybe two weeks now, this top 10 or so has sort of solidified. And as long as they're kind of performing as expected, then maybe I'm not going to move them around too much. So I think that's kind of where this week landed for me is we're still going to see that that churn in maybe the last five or six spots. And, and I did this week, but I didn't see anything right now to maybe move the top 10, maybe 15 spots that much. Yeah, and maybe like we mentioned earlier, you were already on Widener. Maybe someone who wasn't voting for Widener has a little bit more adjusting to do. Um, but since, since you already had them, them in that middle range, I think last week, uh, maybe maybe that would be the biggest adjustment someone else would have to make. But yeah, looking I... forward to seeing yeah, looking forward to seeing the uh, the new poll when it's released Monday evening. Yeah, for sure. All right, Matt. And speaking of polls and computer ratings, brings us to our main topic for the week. We wanted to take a look at maybe some teams that have been flying under the radar a little bit, um, some hidden gems, if you will. Uh, you know, as we've been tracking the top 25 through the preseason and the week one and week two polls, there have been a total of 67 teams that have been named on at least one ballot. We have them all listed on the screen here in alphabetical order. We're not going to go through it, but we wanted to take a look at some of the best teams according to the the efficiency ratings that you can find on d3datacast.com. Some of the best teams that haven't been named on any ballot at any point in any of the uh, the polls that we've seen so far this year. So, um, yeah, we want to list all the teams that have received a vote because they are not being considered. And with all those separated out, we're going to take a look at uh, – we have a list of seven here, Matt, because that is what happened to fit nicely in the top 40 of the computer ratings. And at the top of that list is – Top of the list? St. John's. Yeah, St. John's. They come in at number 16 of the computer efficiency ratings. Uh, and we didn't talk about them, but two slides ago – I just said that I'm about to vote for them number 23. So they're quickly going to fall off this list. But Zach, I have not yep. submitted that ballot yet, uh, technically, so as we record official. this. So it's not official. Okay, and we, so we're good. And we don't know. I have not I have not checked Twitter. I don't know anyone else's ballots yet. So as far as I know, so St. John's, John's has not received a single vote. But I'm going to vote for them 23 this week. Uh, but they're, they're number 16 on the efficiency ratings. They're in the, the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. The efficiency margins sees them as like a plus 23 team. And what that means, some people have asked me, what does that mean? That means that they would be better than an average team by 23.2 points over 100 possessions. That's kind of all that means. And that's based on their offensive and their defensive rating. Um, but but that's what the plus 23 means. Uh, their Massey rank is 27, so maybe just outside the top 25, but within the range that is definitely votable. Um, so they, they look good. They've had a, one top 50 game, and it was a, a UW-Platteville loss really early in the season. Um, they also had a UW-Eau Claire loss. I think those were their first two games. But since then, I think they're 7-0. They've beaten Stockton. They've beaten Concordia-Moorhead. Both of those other two teams are in the top 100 of what the computer's done. They've won some other games, like they beat McAllister uh, this last week, I think, uh, by a significant margin, maybe 20 points or so. So St. John's is coming on strong. They look good. The computers are starting to like them. And I think that they're a team that could start getting some votes. Maybe they'll get one. Maybe they'll get more coming into the future. Yeah, and what jumps off the page here, Matt, is the way they're doing it is with an elite uh, offensive efficiency mark there. Uh, you can see ranked fifth overall. Um, and, you know, above average defensively, but, you know, especially that offensive number jumps out. 
Um, you know, and Matt, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, just starting to track like how the projection projections shaping up for, you know, the NCA criteria. And you look over there at St. John's, you know, an 842 winning percentage of 526 uh, strength of schedule is kind of getting where you want it. But with, you know, a, a solidly above 800 winning percentage, it's kind of getting in the range where they could be a, a player in the pool C picture, too. Yeah, 526 is a little bit on the lower end of what you want it to be. But this my my projected NCAA strength of schedule numbers uh, don't include any conference tournament games uh, because those aren't scheduled and I haven't programmed that in yet. Uh, so you could a team like St. John's who maybe could get to the Mayak championship game could expect their strength of schedule to get a little bit better than that. But yeah, with the 840 winning percentage, if that's how they end up, um, then they could definitely be a, a player in a pool C if they if they don't win the Mayak uh, tournament, then maybe they're a, a pool C team from that league. So Matt, the other question here, to, since we're framing this as uh, you know t- the best teams to not receive a top twenty five vote, uh, it, it, you know we we talked about your ballot for this week. You're planning on uh, submitting a ballot with St. John's in. At what point did they enter your uh, you know that that pool of teams you were considering? How long have they been on your radar? Because um, I, I imagine quite a few, at least quite a few of these teams that we're going to talk about here maybe they've been on the radar but just been in that pool where no one has quite you know pulled the trigger on putting them inside their top 25 yeah i'm just looking back at my tracker sheet uh here they have been on my radar since the beginning uh, i captured them in my preseason look around i don't think i very strongly considered them for preseason top 25 but i have been tracking their results since the since the beginning of the season so they've been on my radar uh but i haven't they haven't been in really position to pull the trigger on them until until this week i think all right let's move on to the next one matt uh the second highest team by the computer efficiency rating to not receive a top 25 vote is heidelberg uh at uh, number 18 overall yeah, I was surprised to see that they were a team that had not received any votes. I, there was maybe some going into that two weeks ago before they were going to play Trine. I think maybe there was some consideration of, you know, maybe they could be ranked after after that week. Um, unfortunately, they lost to Trine and then had a big win over Marietta. So that's like a, a little bit of a step back, but then a big step forward. Uh, so I was surprised that maybe they didn't even get one or two votes along the way, but they have put up another strong week. They beat Ohio Northern uh, by double digits. They beat Otterbein by 10. Otterbein's a strong team. So they had a, had a nice week this past week and now have put themselves back in the, in the range where, hey, maybe Heidelberg's going to be getting some, some votes. I wouldn't actually be surprised if someone does throw a vote back their way this week. Um, efficiency ratings see them as number 18 plus 22.6 efficiency margin. Another strong offensive team, Zach, but Heidelberg's even... Um, you know, not quite as strong as St. John's in that offensive number, but a little bit stronger on the defensive number. So a little bit more balanced, but still uh, favored toward the offense. Um, that that loss to Trine was, was a top 50 game. Uh, they beat Marietta soundly. They beat Otterbein soundly. So two big wins for them. Unfortunately for Heidelberg, I think where they're getting dinged is they had a, I think it was a neutral court loss to Alma. And that's, that's maybe a tough one to get over right now. Um, Alma's won some other games looked okay but maybe more averagey than good uh, so you, you, it's, it's it's tough to maybe vote for a team in the top 25 right now with with all the uh the available teams kind of between 20 and 35 let's say if you have a loss to alma on your resume maybe maybe you go other directions but I, I could definitely see someone voting for heidelberg and i think they've put themselves in that mix um and and being strong in the oac they're definitely going to be able to test themselves further out and get more opportunities to get those good wins yeah, I, I think, you know, just looking at the way the early season 
developed too. And, you know, especially in the preseason, you have John Carroll and Mount Union uh, being very strong in the preseason poll. And then uh, Marietta had the early result getting a win over Christopher Newport, getting a win over Illinois Wesleyan. So it get, you, you kind of develop that OAC pecking order. And it's like, well, are you really going to vote for a fourth OAC team? I mean, it's a great league. You know, maybe they're deserving, but just with only 25 spots, you know, to devote four to the OAC takes up, you know, quite a bit of room. So they probably suffered a little bit just because uh, they've, they've been at least probably fourth in that pecking order. Of course, now getting the head-to-head win over Marietta, maybe that changes a little bit, but you can see maybe how the early season played out that they were kind of left a, a tick below um, those other three in in the OAC. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how this league goes down the stretch with, with those four teams in particular. You could make an argument right now that maybe Heidelberg is your number two in the OAC if you've soured on Mount Union a little bit after some maybe suspect results, including the loss to Wilmington that we talked about last week. They have the head-to-head over Marietta, so maybe you could say, like, I want to put Heidelberg just ahead. So I think that's an argument you could make as well. But good thing about conference play is they'll be able to play each other twice, uh, each of these teams down the stretch. Yep, and we see they're checking in at 36 according to the Massey ratings, Matt. And, um, you know, another, you know, fairly strong-looking um, resume, if you look at the projections, you know, if they can win enough games, it looks like the SOS may be pretty solid. Um, and, you know, a lot of opportunities to pick up regionally ranked wins, it looks like, you know, playing in the OAC for sure. So, uh, you know, no top 25 votes um, yet, but I think, you know, definitely a chance to enter that picture and then also – to be, you know, in the conversation nationally later on this season. And the next team we want to take a look at is Hanover. Hanover is coming in at number 21 on the efficiency ratings. Um, this is a little bit of a, a disparity, though, because the Massey ratings only see Hanover at number 82. So there's a little bit of a gap developing here between the two computer systems uh, out there for Division Three basketball. Uh, Hanover um, has a plus 22 efficiency mar- margin, has another quite strong offense and a pretty solid defense as well. Um, I think where Hanover struggles here is when you look at that versus top 50 and versus top 100 lines. Um, you know, they've had a chance to play at Wash U. They lost that game. They've got to play against Trine. They lost that game. They got to play at Hope. They lost that game in overtime, but then they do have a win over number 57, UW-Eau Claire. So I think maybe as a voter, if you're looking at Hanover, maybe, yeah, the computers like them, but what do they do against other teams that are maybe also in the mix? And unfortunately for them, it's been three losses. Um, now, Wash U and Trine, losing to those teams, it's nothing to nothing to sneeze at. doesn't mean you couldn't be also, you know, in the, the 20 to 25 um range there but then you know also losing to hope hope's kind of maybe a been a team that's been in the similar mix as well so that maybe it puts Hanover behind uh but they're they're a team that's in the mix the computer likes them they could make a lot of noise in the HCAC that's a very winnable league and I think they're one of those teams that's going to be in the mix uh there for sure yeah you look at the top 50 losses and you know on their own each one is certainly understandable but if you're talking about a top 25 team you don't want to see yeah. them go oh and three right you want to see at least one if not two uh, wins to to really be considering them for a top 25 vote yeah. um matt just looking up the the massey you know massey also breaks down offensive and defensive ratings uh hanover there is 84 offensively 109 defensively so you know that's probably the difference um in in you know massey ranking so much lower is just massey overall being much lower on uh them offensively and defensively yeah and there's, yeah, there's differences in the way the two systems operate. Um, you know, who, right. who knows how much more, 
you know, preseason data. Massey might still be including versus in-season data here. For me, Hanover's played eight games, so I'm only including data this year, so maybe they've played better this year. I, I can't speak exactly to the Massey system, but there could be some differences there. Yeah, and we should. that's a good point. We should note that, you know, in talking about St. John's and Heidelberg, they've each hit that eight-game mark, at least. Uh, St. John's has played nine, and so everything there is based on just current se- season data. And I should say, even though I make the efficiency ratings that you can find on d3datacast.com, that doesn't mean I like those ratings and, and hate the Massey ratings. In a situation like this where there's a disparity, I, I might myself go a little bit more toward the middle and think maybe efficiency ratings is for some reason being a little bit too high on them based on their results. Maybe Massey's being a little bit too low. Maybe I want to look at this team more like a 40 or 50 and keep my eye on them, but not necessarily give them a vote right now. That's kind of how I would tend to view it myself. All right, Matt, next on our list is 25 in the computer rankings, uh, and that's Wesleyan. Yeah, Wesleyan off to a 7-2 and two start there in the NESCAC. Um, pretty pretty good offensive rating, 29, um, and defensive rating, 88. So not elite in either of those numbers, but but very solid, very strong. Um, Massey sees them at, as 54 overall in the country, so not as big of a difference as Hanover, but still a little bit of a gap. Um, definitely a gap that you would still you know, maybe consider overcoming if you wanted to give them a top 25 vote. Uh, but even though the computer likes them pretty well, you can see they've not played a top 50 game yet. Uh, and they're, they're kind of top 100 games. They've seen two losses and a win. So the computer's probably seeing some other results that are even outside the top 100. Maybe they've beaten up on some poorer teams. And the computer, my computer is responding to that favorably. Whereas, you know, myself as an individual human voter, I would not respond to that very favorably. Um, given other options, I think, um, you know, I don't know if it's the right thing to do, but I would, as a voter, respond more to good wins or playing other good teams closely, at least, rather than just beating up on bad teams that doesn't tend to boost the team too far, in my opinion. You have kind of a similar problem to uh, to Hanover, but they, you know, haven't even played those top 50 games. So just not like those achievement-based results that that a top 25 voter would typically be looking for. Yeah. Now, Matt, moving on to a a team now that maybe is starting to get some of those, those wins next on the list here, ranked 30th by the computer is Ramapo. Yeah. I started noticing Ramapo a week or two ago and I thought like, ah, this is early season results. This is noise in the computer. I think I didn't really expect Ramapo, you know, they weren't as good last year. Uh, but they 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 keep getting the results. It's, it's been kind of interesting. So the efficiency rating sees them number thirty right now. They're eight and two overall. Uh, Massey is number seventy oh, number seventy six overall. So they're still lagging a little bit behind. But as you mentioned, look at some of these wins. They've beaten uh, Rowan, who the computer thinks is number thirty nine. They've beaten Western Connecticut, who the computer thinks is number forty three. They did have a loss to number sixty one Westfield State, but they've beaten Farmingdale. Farmingdale waits pretty rates pretty well by the computer. They had a loss to Stockton, but then a win at Kane. Um, so they have some results in that in that range that that says, hey, they can play with some of these better teams uh, in the country. Now, maybe it's a problem that, you know, they're only two and two versus 51 to, to 100. And they're not like maybe dominating the the back half of the top 100 and kind of more mixed in the in the top half. But they're a team that's starting to get some of these results. I think that they're a player in the NJAC race coming into the season. I thought it was Rowan or maybe Rowan and Stockton. Uh, but I think Ramapo, especially with that win at Rowan, is in that mix as well. Yeah, and you look, this is like an even more extreme case of what we had talked about with St. John's, right? It, you know, we're talking the number two 
offense in division three and uh you know a defense that is like middle of the pack right so they're definitely getting it done on the offensive end but you know hey there's lots of different ways to get it done and uh Ramapo's getting it done so far this season and it would be interested to dive in to see uh, who those teams that they've played to put up those offensive numbers. Now, my computer should adjust for what's the quality of these defenses. Um, but again, we're still early in the season. There's not a ton of data. So are they really, are they playing, you know, middling to bad defenses and just putting up great numbers? Or have they played some pretty, pretty tough defenses and still put up good numbers? But yeah, to see a team uh, kind of more average on defense, but just a really elite offense, it's kind of interesting when teams are uh, maybe not quite as evenly balanced as you might expect from a top team. All right, a couple more to go here. Matt uh, checking in at number 31 in the uh, efficiency ratings. The computer likes Clark. Yeah, Clark's been a team I've been keeping my eye on. Have not voted for them, obviously, because they're on this list. Uh, but they're off to an 8-1 start in the new Matt conference. Uh, they have a loss to Tufts, but Tufts looks great. So you, you don't really ding a team for losing to the, uh, you know, the computer thinks they're the number two team in the country for Tufts. But I, and I think as a voter that they're like a top 10, top five team in the country. Uh, they do have wins over Westfield State and Wheaton Mass. Those aren't great teams. They're kind of more back half of the, that top 100, but they are pretty good teams. And that, those are solid wins. Those are quality wins. Uh, really interested to see what Clark does when we really get into NUMAC play here, playing like WPI. Those are going to be great contests. But I, I like what Clark's put up. And I think you can see their kind of their NCAA criteria, both what they have done to date and then also what maybe they're projected to do in the future based on these computer ratings. Um, they're a team we could see in March, whether they win the new Mac or whether that they're in Pool C consideration. I think they're a potential tournament team here. Um, where do they stand, Matt, in terms of being on your radar as a top 25 voter? Yeah, they're um, they're on my radar, but they're not maybe next up necessarily. I think I would need to see, as you can see here, the, the top 50 games is just a loss against Tufts, which a lot of teams are going to lose to Tufts. So you can't tell a lot there. And then the Westfield State and the Wheaton, Massachusetts game, as a voter, I'm not going to put a ton into those. I'm going to need to see more of those type of results before they really enter my strong watch list um, or my top 25. And I don't have their upcoming schedule in front of me, so I don't know when it is that they're going to play some of those games, but I would be interested to see those results. They've got Trinity, Texas, and Case Western Reserve in okay. Las Vegas at the D3Hoops.com right. Classic. So by January 1, uh, we will know uh, a couple more couple more data points for Clark, and we'll be very interested in those. Yeah. Glad to see they're at that tournament. Yeah, those will, those will be some good games. Yep. All right, one more here, Matt. One, this is the last top 40 team by the uh, computer that has not received a top 25 vote. Matt, we talk about the UAA a lot, and uh, maybe, uh, you know, we, we, we couldn't get through an episode without talking UAA. So here we go with Chicago. Yes, yeah, so kind of surprising to see Chicago on the list uh, for me because I think of them as like one of the last, you know, definitely the bottom four of the UAA. But the bottom four of the UAA is great. And so I'm not surprised to see them in the top 100 for sure. Um, six and two start. They haven't, they haven't really played anyone yet, though. Right? They, they played Illinois Wesleyan. They lost to them. Other than that, they're getting pretty good results. Um, they've won their six and six and one against everyone else. And the computers thinks they're winning those games, um, pretty well. You can see another kind of borderline elite offensive number. Or I would call that an elite offensive number, um, maybe a more average defensive number. So an interesting, um, interesting ratio there as well. But Chicago, the computer likes the UAA. They think they're all great teams like we do. Uh, but interestingly, if you look down at those projected win percentage totals under the NCAA criteria, 
only a, a 60% for the season is what the computer thinks they'll do. That's because that conference is a bloodbath. Even though they're the 36th ranked team in the country, they might go whatever, four and 10 in that conference or um, six and eight. And they'll still be a really good team, but it's really tough to get into the tournament if you're only going to win 60% of your games. Even with a good, a, you know, a pretty good 550-ish strength of schedule, they would need to win like six, 67 or more, maybe like 690 or above to get into the get into the tournament as a pool C if they're not going to win the UAA. And that's just a tough league. So uh, Chicago might be one of those teams at the end of the year. We say, yeah, maybe in overall quality, they're NCAA tournament, tournament worthy, but they're really just not considerable if they don't have that elite SOS or uh, a winning percentage that puts them in that range. It was interesting to see what happens. Because I think in that region, there's a chance that they could you know, get ranked or, or, you know, be in that conversation. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely get an idea of how the committee uh, views them, um, you know, when we see how they're handled in regional ranking time. And that, that might give us a good indication of, uh, you know, as the season develops, what their, what their chances might be. Yeah, and we saw a similar resume to that get ranked in Region 7 last year with Carnegie Mellon. Uh, and I think Region 8 will have more opportunities to get ranked than uh, Carnegie Mellon did in Region 7 last year. So yeah, we could definitely see in those first couple of rankings for sure, um, we could see Chicago get ranked, especially if they haven't played all the way through the UAA twice where they're continuing to get losses. Maybe they still have a ish 700 winning percentage. So we could see some regional ranked votes go to Chicago. Yep, five of their first seven in UAA play will be at home. Okay. Um, but Matt, you mentioned that Carnegie Mellon. I think they had a SOS more pushing like 600 last yeah. year, if I'm remembering correctly. So, I mean, 549 is good, but it's not good if you're going to have a 600 winning yeah. percentage. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. All right. So, Matt, you got all these teams on your radar now, right? They're not all – so, like, my radar. Like, what is my radar, right? Uh, they're all on my radar. They're not necessarily on my strong watch list. Maybe most of these up until Chicago kind of are now. Uh, I don't really I don't really have Chicago in any sort of consideration at this point. Fair enough. It was a, it was a fun view, though, Matt. I think this is, you know, a, a good way to, to put some teams that have been off the radar in at least, you know, one respect. Um, you know, in, in some cases, maybe these are teams that could – you know, sneak up on some people and, uh, you know, if you're a D3 Datacast viewer, you won't be snuck up on. Yep. Okay. All right, Matt, let's get into uh, our picks, starting with the review from last week. Uh, you know, we talked about that UW-Whitewater Hope game. Uh, Whitewater was actually getting half a point. They get the 79-76 win. So not only did uh, Hope collapse for themselves, they, they collapsed for you. I get the point there. We also differed on uh, Kalu and Claremont Mud Scripps. Uh, I was laying the two with Kalu, but it was a 60-55 win for CMS. Uh, you got that one. Matt, Hampton-Sydney was actually getting five and a half at Randolph-Macon. We both w went with Hampton-Sydney. They got the 61-52 win at Crenshaw Gymnasium. You know, a notoriously difficult place to, to play. Uh, Matt, we just talked about Clark. Uh, they were in our picks last week uh, playing at Salve Regina. We both uh, went with them in the Pickham game, and it was a 79-62 win for the Cougars. And the uh, game of the week, which lived up to the billing, Matt, yeah. Tufts, a 65-63 outright winner against Keene State. Uh, the computer was giving them two points. We both went with Tufts and picked up that one. Matt, 
add it all up, we took slightly different paths to equal four and one weeks. I'm 16 and nine overall. You uh, get over 500 to uh, sit at 13 and 12 heading into our week six picks. Since when has picking hope ever gone well for someone on this show? I should have I should have known better than that. All right, here is the pick week six pick slate. Uh, game one is York, Pennsylvania. Uh, the computer is giving them eight points at Rochester. Game number two, Montclair State uh, is getting 12 points at a team we just talked a ton about, Ramapo. University of Dallas is getting five and a half at Shriner. Capital is getting eight and a half at Mount Union. And then our D3 Datacast game of the week, the only tightly contested line here, Virginia Wesleyan plus 0.5 at Christopher Newport. So going up to that first game, Zach, who do you like against the computer line there? I will go with York in this one, Matt. I think the eight is just too much. Like that's that's too big. Uh, I'll take the points. Yeah, we do have a lot of big lines in in this week, so it's interesting to see what our picks are. But I'm going to go the similar direction in a similar for a similar reason. Um, I think York can be competitive in this game. I don't know that they're going to win at Rochester, but uh, give give me eight points, and I think that they will get inside of that number. Uh, game number two, Zachary. All right, we talked about Ramapo, Matt, and as we looked at the slide, they have one of the elite offenses in Division Three, but they have some problems defensively. I think with 12 points, uh, Montclair will be able to score enough to uh, keep it within uh, single digits. I will take the points with Montclair. I think that pick makes a lot of sense, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the same direction too. Is for me, I have it hard to hard to imagine that. Um, you know, Rambo could win this game by 12, but I, I I would not think that that happens on average. I think Montclair State is good enough to keep that within 12. Uh, so I will uh, take Montclair there. Uh, going down to Texas, Zachary. Yeah, this is, you mentioned we had a lot of big numbers. And traditionally, I have been uh, kind of afraid to lay big numbers. And this is my one opportunity to, uh, you know, to step out in faith, so to speak. So I will give the five and a half and take Shriner home okay good for you stepping out i will not step out as much i'm going to go with university of dallas i think that they've had some uh impressive results to the season they've beaten some teams so uh you know five and a half i will take that even on the road at shriner uh going down to the oac with capital and mount union yeah they didn't make our discussion previously matt but i think capital has been um one of the under the under the radar teams they've been really solid so far mount union has not been the mount union we saw uh, last season. So with that eight and a half number, I'm going to go capital. Yeah. I think the secret here on um, Mount Union is that I think that they're going to get dropped on a lot of ballots. Uh, you know, I dropped them last week. They had a tight game with Ohio Northern this last week. I think maybe some voters are, are, are getting scared. Um, I think Mount Union might get a little bit mad. And I think they might might show themselves to be the team that was more like we thought they were going to be coming into the season. Uh, at home in alliance i think that they might win this game by you know 10 to 12 and cover that eight and a half line and now the game of the week down in virginia virginia wesleyan at christopher newport it's almost a pick em, but not quite yeah well i don't believe the game will end in a tie so i have to treat this exactly like a pick em. and in in that case uh i still believe in christopher newport give him give me the captains 
this is definitely an interesting one for sure, especially what Virginia Wesleyan has been able to do defensively. Um, I'm going to go with the Marlins. I think that they've been trending trending well. I have them higher than Christopher Newport on my ballot right now, although maybe not high enough that it would overcome a home court advantage. But I think I'm going to trust in the Virginia Wesleyan defense and say that they're going to win this game outright at Christopher Newport. So that's our picks. They do have a great defense. First to 50 wins. <laughs> Might be. Well, then no one would have won that Randolph-Macon matchup, at least the, at least the first one. All right, that brings us to the mailbag for this week. Matt, uh, we have this one from Rob Hudson, who left a comment on last week's episode on YouTube. Can you explain what the computer is seeing that had Hampton-Sydney a 5.5-point underdog to Randolph-Macon, even given that the game is at RMC? Obviously, neither of you had faith in the computer. And as we went through, we uh, both took Hampton-Sydney, who not only covered, but uh, got the outright win. Yeah, so the computer was and is still very high in Randolph-Macon. Um, I, I I just dropped them off of my ballot this week, so I had them out of the top 25. But the efficiency ratings, even after this week, even after the game that we saw um, Hampton City win by nine, I believe, uh, still has Randolph-Macon as the number four team in the country. So the computer still th- thinks offensively and defensively, uh, Randolph-Macon is scoring points. Uh, you know, per possession and preventing points at, at a high clip. So the computers still going into the game had Randolph-Macon ranked higher than Hampton-Sydney, even enough to overcome that like, kind of like three-point-ish home court advantage. So uh, that that's how it saw it. Now, um, it was also to some degree weighing in some preseason expectations for Randolph-Macon because I still have, I, I have like a an eight-game system before before the preseason um, expectations are fully pulled out, and Randolph Macon had had maybe only played six or seven. I forget what the number was, maybe seven. It was it was six for both uh, both teams. Six for both teams. So Hampton Sydney was a little bit behind, and Randolph Macon was a little bit ahead. Um, so it was, those two factors, I mean, the factors that the computer ratings had them up. Part of that being a preseason expectation, still you know maybe existing to some degree in there, was the reason. Um, so now, I mean, if they if they rematched that. Um, Oh no, they were getting five points, but in part of that included the home court advantage because it was at Randolph-Macon, right? So it maybe the computer line saw them as uh, two and a half points, and then maybe added three points to get it to five and a half. So that that's part that's partially um, what's what's going on there. You know, right now it sees the computer sees them as like four, the fourth and fifth teams. So it would be probably like an even line, and then whoever's home court would get maybe a three point advantage. Or so so I think if we played that again today, it would be like Randolph-Macon plus or Randolph-Macon minus three. Um, because they're not far enough apart that the home court is really going to come out of there. So, and I think that's really the case for a lot of the top fifteen. It would be who's going to be the the, two, the team at the home court if you put them together, because there's a lot of a lot of tightness, uh, a lot of close numbers within the top twenty five um, right right now that I see. Right, and you mentioned the preseason, um, you know, data. So that you go back to the preseason ratings that we we did before the season. Uh, Randolph Macon was the preseason number one, and then as current season data started taking over, they were you know actually trending down from their uh, overall efficiency margin. Hampton Sydney was the preseason number eighteen uh, at plus sixteen point two, but they were trending up. So you can see the impact that the the preseason um, data that was still in there. You know, at at the six game mark. Um, you're talking 75% this season, 25% preseason data, um, you know, six games yeah. instead of the full eight games where it's all in season. Um, but Matt, 
as I was, we we got this question, and so I was kind of tracking it through the week. Interestingly, we talk about you know they started number one and then we're trending down. Randolph Macon actually moved up to a plus thirty point two efficiency margin after beating Mary Washington on Monday. Mm-hmm. So if we had redone that line after they went to seven games played, it actually would have been even bigger. Yeah. Anyway, just interesting. It's Rand- part. You know. Yeah. Go ahead. You look at uh, Randolph Macon and you see a lot of losses, but you also see the schedule that they've played. They've played Virginia Wesleyan twice. They've played Hampton Sydney. They played Christopher Newport. They've played a lot of good teams. Um, and even if even if you say like, well, Christopher Newport isn't the Christopher Newport we thought they were, they're still a really good team. Whether you think that they're fifteen or they're thirty, right? That's still a good game. Virginia Wesleyan, similar manner, playing them twice, playing Hampton Sydney. So. Randolph Macon is taking some losses. I think they're still a really good team. I don't think they're number four like the computer thinks they are right now, even without, you know, any preseason data still in there for Randolph Macon. But I think I think they're I think they're good. I think they're somewhere like if you've I almost voted for them again this week, and I think if someone did, I don't think that's I don't think it's a problem. Um, I think by the end of the year we're going to come back and see a lot of wins, even in a pretty strong ODAC conference. So um, I think Randolph Macon's still pretty good. You know, man. And the other thing about Randolph Macon is we've talked about. Um, you know, some of their scoring totals, right? They, they play their game with Virginia Wesleyan was just like in the forties. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that's low, but part of it also is you're talking about two elite defenses and both Randolph Macon and Virginia Wesleyan play at some of the slowest tempos in all of division three. Yeah. So I was actually a little bit surprised to go in and dig into the numbers a little bit and, and find that the computer actually from an, you know, from a per 100 possessions um, rate actually really likes Randolph Macon offensively as well. Right. So it's just once you put in that tempo factor that you get these games that are tend to be a little bit more low scoring. But in terms of just overall efficiency, they're actually doing a pretty good job. Yeah. Yep. I think that's correct. Yeah, exactly. All right, Rob, hopefully that helped answer your question. And Matt, we have one more here from uh, Tyler Peretz, who is continuing the the hot take uh, theme, Matt, you know, going back to our our preseason hot takes. Yes, he. Sent in another triad of hot takes here. Region 1 gets three Pool C bids, two NESCACs, and one GNAC. Region 2 gets no Pool C bids, but potentially one if WPI loses. UAA gets four bids, and uh, singling out NYU, Case Western Reserve, WashU, and Emory there. Uh, Matt, any reactions there? I think all of those are plausible. Uh, two in the NESCAC would be lower than normal, but I think that's kind of how things are shaping up, at least right now. Uh, I definitely agree. Trinity and Tufts look good. Williams is giving themselves trouble. They're not really putting the hammer down. Uh, I thought they were maybe the preseason favorite, and I would uh, have to you know, change my opinion on that now. Uh, Wesleyan falling short. Sure, yeah, I definitely could see Williams and Wesleyan in the mix if they, if they play themselves in, but I could see themselves playing out as well. I think that's really hard to tell. I would bet at the end of the day, the NESCAC finding a way to get at least three in. That seems the way things usually do. Um, USJ, yeah, they're looking good. I don't know about Albertus if they're de- if they're going to keep themselves in the mix for a, for a GNAC pool C, uh, but I, at, there have been at times so far in the early going that they've been been around there. So I think that is plausible. Uh, Region two getting no pool C bids also plausible. Although we just talked about Clark, and I think I think the new Mac runner up is going to be in decent position for a pool C. So whether that is WPI, whether that's Clark. Um, the, the two I see right now, maybe there's someone else, uh, maybe Babson in the mix. Um, but, but, but those two Clark and WPI right now are the ones I'm seeing. And I, th- I think, I think I can see one getting a pool C unless that conference just tears itself up too much, uh, four in the UAA. 
yeah, like I think that's I think that's definitely legit. Um, I think that I think that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I think four in the UAA is the lock, right? The question is, can a fifth yeah. enter the conversation into the mix? Um, but yeah, I, th I think I think the four listed there, I, most people probably entered the season thinking that that was like sort of a minimum expectation. Then it's you know to see if anyone from that bottom four of the conference can really just win enough games overall. Uh, to put themselves in the conversation and make that number go to five. Yeah, I think I think four is going to be the number. Yeah. And that concludes the mailbag for this week, Matt. Uh, if uh, you have something that you would like to submit to the mailbag for us to read and react to in a future episode, you can leave a message on this episode here or find us on our social media channels, and we would love to address it at the end of the next episode. And Matt, that leaves just one thing, one thing to do, and that's to say thank you to our Patreon members. Matt, we have two tiers of people who uh, have have decided to take advantage of uh, you know one of the tiers on our Patreon page, Patreon.com/d3datacast, and uh, we are grateful for their support. Couldn't do what we do without their support, and um, you know th these people help make everything that's available on d3datacast.com available to everyone without ads, without paywalls. Our thanks go out to them as always. Yeah, and if you have not checked out d3datacast.com, the efficiency ratings we've talked about on these episodes are posted there. I update those daily. The NCAA criteria, the regionally ranked wins, the winning percentage, the strength of schedule, that gets updated daily as well. You can find that for men's basketball and women's basketball on d3datacast.com. That's all ad-free thanks to these Patreon members. So go and check that stuff out. Use that information. Use that data. Have fun with that data. If you would like to join us on Patreon, please do. As Zach said, patreon.com slash d3datacast. Um, but we just appreciate you watching the episode, sharing the episode, talking about Division Three basketball, interacting with us and the show. So thank you very much. Uh, Zach, I enjoyed talking to you this week. I hope you have another good week of D3 basketball and good job, team.